Hello, stargazers. Welcome to 7th House Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek. For those of you who are just joining me, well, welcome. I'm glad that you found my podcast. What I do with 7th House Astrology is that I take a aspect or planet or house. Um, sometimes I actually pick a topic as well, too, as I have done this week. Usually that topic is related to romance. And reason being is that I take a look at all astrological associations through the, the lens. And if you made the guise of Sinistry Astrology. Uh, Sinistry Astrology is known as Relationship Astrology. If you're also familiar with composite charts, that kind of become synonymous with synastry astrology as well. So with that, I dive into a topic. I investigate it uh, with the meanings of synastry astrology. And then I kind of go in at the end of each episode with, you know, what have we learned, um, particularly with specific aspects, like if there are certain aspects that we can take with us and keep in mind with us as we go into relationships. Or I also... There are times where I sometimes, you know, uh, if I'm feeling bold, I absolutely uh, answer the question, what makes relationships tick to the best of my ability with the astrological information at hand. For those of you who are joining me, well, welcome still. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that my podcast still is very informative as well as entertaining and enlightening for you. I'm actually very thrilled that you're, you're coming back and that you're here. Well, as mentioned, stargazers, uh, for those of you who've been listening, you kind of noticed that I've been in a bit of a pattern when it comes to the topic of my episodes. Most of the time it's been um, house, planet, house, and then planet. That's been for like the last, you know, last week or so, last couple of weeks. Well, this week I'm going to stir it up just a little bit. And also next week I'll be stirring it up a little bit. So two things that are new. First off, I have a topic. Now this is a topic that I've been kind of mulling over and researching for the last couple of weeks. I've been a little hesitant because this is a type of relationship that I really have never been in myself. And it's very, it's a new uncharted territory for me. So in a way, I don't feel like I'm the biggest expert when it comes to this form of relationship. However, investigating it astrologically has been very interesting. So again, I have a topic and that topic is entitled, Am I Marriage Material? And basically, we're just looking at marriages and what, how they're indicated and how they're signified within the synastry chart. The second thing that is new is that because with the topics, I've just noticed that there's just a lot of information that kind of comes about and marriages Marriages were no exception. Um, there's just a lot of information, a lot of astrological information that's come about it. So instead of trying to cover it in one episode and make it like almost an hour and a half or even an hour long, I decided to do a part one, part two. 
So this week will be part one of Am I Marriage Material and in um, Investigating Marriages in the Sinistry Chart. And next week will be part two. So part of part one is that I'll just be going into the planetary alignments that actually make for good relationships and just based off of the characteristics of marriage. Uh, part two will be more the technical aspects. So there are some aspects that involve the ascendant, that involve particular houses. I think that it would be apropos to kind of get more into that next week as well, too. And then any other new um, information, such as if there's asteroids involved, um, if there's um, kind of what is considered to be um, minor, I don't want to say it's minor astrology, but there, you know, when it comes down to asteroids, it's, it's not always within the general sinistry astrology culture. Um, it's something that's kind of like a extra information, but we will be definitely diving into that next week as well, too. So definitely stay tuned. Um, very exciting stuff, but uh, very exciting when it comes to the episode as well. But without further ado, um, I'm going to go ahead and dive into Am I Marriage Material or just the synastry of marriages. So as always, when it comes down to the topics that I investigate, usually the topics can be very broad in the regard of, you know, when I, when I looked at marriage, again, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, well, there's 10 planets that we work with in every chart. There are 12 houses that we work with within every chart as well. There's a myriad of different angles and a myriad of different ways in which things can be interpreted. So as always, I like to kind of get a little bit of a, a definition, a working definition when it comes to marriage. Um, just kind of like with the other um, topics that I've explored, so I kind of get a working definition to kind of narrow things down a little bit. Um, I will go into what I see as being great uh, planetary alignments when it comes to marriage. And then I will also, I won't just take my word for it, um, I did do a little research as well too, and I will be citing advancedastrology.com, which is actually a great site when it comes to anything astrology, and kind of uh, kind of mention what they also have in mind too, and do like a little compare and contrast. So without astrology... I decided to start off with what characteristics makes for a promising marriage. And, you know, I not only did I brainstorm some of my own answers to this uh, question, but also just um, I took a look uh, as well, too, as to what really constitutes the answer to this question. But one thing that seems to come about is a mutual respect for each other, and also a sense of commitment, I think, are two key and crucial aspects of marriage. I think what single individuals such as myself do not tend to really recognize is that, you know, we, we tend to lump 
marriages as being the same as relationships are when we're dating. And actually, as advancedastrology.com had mentioned, and many other sources have mentioned, marriage is a different relationship entirely. For starters, um, you know, when we're dating, it's kind of interesting that uh, when we're dating, even though we think that we're thinking of the other person when we're dating, we're actually thinking more about ourselves and we're kind of thinking about like what our partner does and how that compares to our expectations of that partner. So in some ways when we're dating, we're actually far more egocentric when it comes down to relationships than when we decide to undergo marriage. When we're undergoing marriage, there's that shift that comes about to where we're not so much thinking about our expectations and what we expect from each other. We start to, we start to go from thinking about ourselves to actually thinking about the other person. And um, it's a very radical shift of thinking. So in marriage, you are thinking, you know, yes, you're thinking about you, but you're more thinking about your significant other or your significant other comes into the picture as well too. And, you know, again, it's not just so egocentric, you know, you are including it kind of like when you're living with a family, um, you are including other people's perspectives and you are including, you know, you're including another's perspective into your life and you're kind of taking into consideration that you're sharing a life with another person. So um, that's definitely something to kind of keep in mind, but definitely part of that is commitment. You know, many people tend to go for the Christianized view of forever shall we be together, never shall we part. Sometimes uh, there's the Christianized view of, in, you know, this is a vow that we take in front of God. Others have um, differing you know, sort of ceremonies. I know there are some couples that actually go for hand fasting ceremonies, which is a very pagan oriented sort of path. Um, either way, I just feel like that sense of commitment, you are making a huge, you know, a huge decision and a huge step forward when you take those vows, you know, whether, however, the ceremony, however long the ceremony lasts, whether it's until death do you part, or with the hand fasting, whether it's, you know, it lasts a year and then you renew it. Um, it's definitely a big, big step. So having commitment towards each other is definitely very important. And then a mutual respect, you know, being able to, to get along with each other um, in the long term. I thought a desire to be united, and I was mainly thinking along the lines of astrology when I came up with this one. But I also found that, you know, not only desire to be united fit in with commitment, but also, again, like I'd mentioned earlier, a consideration and thinking of others as well, too. Thinking of the other half and um, thinking of your significant other as well, too. One of my favorite actors, Sam Rockwell, I, I had to quote him here because it, this his viewpoint kind of it kind of revolutionized my world a little bit when it came to marriages. Now, Sam Rockwell, for those of you who are not familiar, 
He's best known for his Academy Award-winning performance in three billboards outside of Ebbing, Ebbing Missouri. Uh, he has also had loads of great films, such as Mr. Right. I think he was in Charlie's Angels way, way back in the day. I think I remembered, you know, remembered when that movie actually came out. I was like 16, 16 to 17 when that movie came out. But he was definitely, I think he was in the original of the, of the Charlie's Angels franchise. And, uh, you know, he's been in, I think it was Seven Psychopaths as well, too. Um, many great films. Uh, definitely really great list of, of really great filmography. Um, but really what struck me with Sam Rockwell when um, asked about his relationship with Leslie Bibb and what kind of makes the relationship work, you can kind of tell which sort of sun sign he's in by his answer. So his answer came about with, you know what? You got to have great sex, like great mind-blowing sex in order to have a great relationship work out. Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, just kind of leave that question to you. Can you guess what sort of sun sign he might be in? I, I won't tell you just exactly just yet, but you know, if, if you guys have the answer again, reach out to me, uh, yeah, myzik.sandra at gmail.com or at my Instagram page at, uh, at sandra.myzik, M-I-S-E-K. Um, because it's, uh, it's definitely very characteristic of a sun sign. I kind of found that to be humorous, but yeah, definitely he mentions good sex. So I kind of know it, it was humorous, but I kind of noted, noted it down because, you know, as much as we don't like to discuss sex and as much as we don't like to consider it, um, it is definitely a base necessity. As we've seen with Mars, it is definitely a base necessity in us. It's always within us. It's that pure energy that is just inside of us. Without it, we'd be dead. You know, without it, we wouldn't be living. So I feel that, you know, because it is one of the characteristics to living, I, I noted it down. And however, I'd like to say good sex, but with a tinge of love. You know, it's not uh, unlike a one night stand. It's something where you still respect each other at the end of the carnal desire or the end of the, the primal pleasure or the primal instinct that comes out from your brain. And with that, I also thought of baby, you know, either two people who would like to have a baby. Unfortunately, there have been marriages that are shotgun as well, too, where a woman gets pregnant and, you know, the right thing to do is make that commitment and get married. Um, hopefully, I know that that's a very old-fashioned yesteryear notion of the shotgun wedding, but hopefully, as I've I, I just kind of like to think this, hopefully that's gone down or the number of incidents of that have gone down. But definitely, I would say um, children or having a baby is a definite consideration. And then, of course, the other two things that I thought I would never, ever encounter, but it seems to make sense with marriage, and that is good communication and listening and also honesty as well, too. It does make sense. Um, you know, you are committed to each other for the long haul. You know, you do have to communicate your issues. You do have to communicate your needs. 
you do have to be honest about what's bothering you. You do have to be honest with each other if you're going to live under the same roof. Otherwise, life could be very unbearable if you have just a, a relationship that's based off of silence. That would be very, very awkward or a, a, a marriage based off the silence. That would be very awkward indeed. So in going through this list, one thing that I did tend to do is just I started to uh, brainstorm what I have seen or what I think are great planetary alignments. Uh, for each each uh, uh, point on the list. One thing that I did find is that a lot of the planets that are involved within marriage uh, charts, or within sensory uh, relation charts that deal with marriage, is that there's a lot of the personal planets involved. So the sun, the moon, actually particularly the sun, the moon, Venus, sometimes Mars, Mars, not always, but Venus, Venus more times than not, sometimes Mars in some situations. And then I also thought of Jupiter as well, too. So in going down the list, um, here's what my thoughts are, at, you know, with what I have seen when it comes to sinistry charts. So for a mutual respect for each other, as well as commitment I thought of actually the sun-moon combinations that I've actually come across. You know, that, that was actually the first thing that I thought of when I um, was thinking of that. Mainly, um, just kind of like with Kevin Bacon and Kara Sedgwick's chart, when you have a sun-moon combination where the sun is either trined or sextiled. So trined means that the sun and the moon are in the same element, just different signs. And sextile means that um, the sun and the moon are 60 degrees apart. So roughly two houses apart in two agreeable signs. A great example. And I think with this episode, this is going to be like a greatest hits of all the guest charts or all the sample charts that I've been compiling in previous episodes. But the greatest example that I can think of this is Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick. Um, with Kevin Bacon, um, Kira Sedgwick, so Kevin Bacon, um, his sun sign is in Cancer. Kira Sedgwick's moon is in Taurus. So right there, we have a semi-sextile or sextile um, relationship. So basically, the two signs are in different elements, um, water and earth, which get along very well, but also two different signs as well, too. But as mentioned, um, that would be a situation where Kevin Bacon, when it comes to his outer facade, can really relate to Kira Sedgwick's inner soul nature, so to speak when it comes to what she reveals and especially like when it comes down to her deepest desires and her heart's desires, these are things that Kevin Bacon feels like that he can meet uh, with his, his ego, but also his outer, his outer self as represented by the sun. And conversely with Kira Sedgwick, actually Kira Sedgwick um, with her relationship between her son being in Leo and Kevin Bacon's moon being in Aries, right there, that's actually a trine. Um, so again, two different signs, but um, Leo and Aries are both fire signs. So they definitely have a great relationship on that fiery 
creative and zesty level of um, their personalities. But again, same thing, um, both with, uh, you know, with Kevin Bacon, with what he reveals as being his heart's desires and um, his soul nature really appeals to Kira Sedgwick. She can not only relate, but she could also add more fuel to that fire. No pun intended on that one, but she can add more fuel to the fire and um, really could add a lot of insight and clarity for Mr. Bacon. The same thing with Mr. Bacon with Kira Sedgwick. He can also add a lot of insight for her as well, too, when it comes to what she really desires deep down inside. I find that, um, you know, sun-moon combinations are the most, they're the most gorgeous at, in any sinistry chart that I've ever seen. I, I just, I find that it's, it's just, it almost brings a tear to my eyes. It's just, it's, it's really beautiful between two partners, you know, and I, I just, I find it's really beautiful because you're relating to each other both inside and out. It's not just about looks and appearances and how showy you are or how you come across or how, you know, how zany and how just splashy you come across as what is usually indicated by sun signs. You know, it, there's a lot of depth within that relationship. And I find that depth can just only add to the mutual respect uh, for each other. As well as that commitment too. I think it would solidify commitment right there, especially when you feel like you, you understand each other. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of meant to be with each other because you, you understand each other and there's nothing more beautiful than, than that in a relationship. When I looked at mutual respect for each other, I also thought of the Chiron placements. So Chiron, just to uh, review, is basically, an, so Chiron's an asteroid. Uh, he appears in all of our charts. Uh, he's kind of up there with Juno, Vesta, and Pallas in the regard that um, they do show up in our charts. But Chiron's pretty particularly significant because he actually indicates the wounds that we come into this life having, and we all have them. You know, it just depends on where he shows up in our uh, charts, you know, which house he shows up and also the sign in which he shows up that kind of indicates that wound that we carry within ourselves. And that wound, again, can be from childhood. It could be from adulthood, believe it or not, like early adulthood. It can also be from just even just being here, you know, it's just, um, sometimes our chart just reveals what's organic in us as well too. And what's just kind of in our nature. But, uh, Chiron I find is very important for mutual respect for each other because if well positioned, and I find again, if it's, you know, in easy aspects, um, either such as if Chiron is placed, uh, within two signs that actually are very similar to each other, or uh, signs that are either, again, sextiled or trined. Um, again, that would indicate that we have a partnership here that where we pull each other up and heal our wounds as opposed to having, if we have like a square or an opposition between two Chiron placements in the chart, that's where it's a relationship where two people are destroying each other or they're, 
they reveal their wound or they kind of get comfortable and they reveal their wound only to have the other partner destroy them with that wound. And sometimes it can be two people are doing that as well too, if Chiron's not well placed in the, in the chart. But you know, with a good Chiron placement, I think that again, if you have two people who are pulling each other up and healing each other's wounds, that that would definitely heighten the mutual respect for each other as well. So with the desire to be united, there wasn't any planetary alignment. However, stay tuned next week because that actually indicates a particular house and possible, I'm I'm not going to say possible, a particular house and the planetary combinations within it. But for good sex, Sam Rockwell's point of view, I did see that, um, Again, that's a definite Venus-Mars placement. And as we'd, as I'd mentioned with Venus and Mars, you can't judge one without the other. Uh, Mars is definitely pure sexual energy or just pure energy in the chart. Venus is a little bit more of affection and also the loving aspect in that relationship. I feel like the two combined when you kind of, when they're both in great soft aspects with each other. I find again, that balances the primal urge of sex with love, you know, that the higher aspect and the higher emotion of love and compassion with each other and having that mix a little bit, even though this was an extramarital relationship. Um, I did feel that with JFK and Marilyn Monroe, they really had quite a winning, you know, between Venus and Mars and their charts, they had quite a winning um, combination that to where they kind of felt they were really well heard um, between them. I know Venus and Mars were squared, but the Mars positions between each um, individual, I felt like really solidified the sexual chemistry and really also each partner kind of understood each other sexually and in the sexual relationship far more than their partners would. Uh, for JFK, his Mars position was in Taurus. And actually, it was semi-sextiled Mar- Marilyn Monroe's position with her Mars being in Pisces. So where she, whereas Marilyn Monroe wanted somebody who was a little bit more like compassionate and caring, in relationships as particularly sexual relationships um, and where she might have had a lot of trouble finding that in her partners. JFK actually already had that compassion, you know, being that Mars placement being within Taurus and Taurus being kind of, you know, heart led due to Venus. It seemed like he had that he could, he could view her compassionately and give her what she had wanted and vice versa. I think with JFK, he really wanted a little bit of closeness when it came to sex and really also maybe being heard a little bit more when it came to sex, which Marilyn Monroe was, you know, again, with Mars and Pisces, Pisces is very open to different perspectives. So uh, I would say, um, So along with Venus and Mars and having their um, soft aspects maybe 
Mars's placements being in soft aspects would be great when it comes to good sex. And again, I think with JFK and Marilyn Monroe was mind blowing, but also, you know, having, um, again, Venus and Mars, um, being in good soft aspect with each other with Venus and Mars being in soft aspect <clears throat> that really reemphasizes again, that love connection, loving with the, the sex, sexual relationship. Unfortunately, with JFK and Marilyn Monroe, they did not have that. Um, Mars, so Mars uh, with Marilyn Monroe was definitely squared JFK's Venus position. And um, a lot of astrologers have mentioned that that's why they had such a dynamic sexual chemistry, but that was about it. I think it was like just the sexual chemistry and it just kind of moved on from there. Which, like I said, was kind of a shame because Mars, the Mars positions aligned very well. So the Venus positions as well, too, which told me that both persons could really care for each other. But um, definitely, as I said, with good sex, unlike JFK and Marilyn Monroe, where they had a very complicated relationship right there, I would say definitely Venus, either sextiled or trined Mars. Um, definitely would be a winning combination right there. Now with baby, again, stay tuned next week because that deals with a particular house as well as the planets in it uh, for part two. But for um, good communication and listening as well as honesty, one thing that I actually found with that was, so a good pairing as well too, I would say would be so definitely good communication listening is Mercury right there. I'd say listening receptively and getting the best out of the listening skills would be um, Mercury in relation to the other person's moon position. Um, because with the moon's position, moon is very, again, not only representative, you know, the moon is not only representative of our inward nature, but also how receptive we are when it comes to information. So again, to have maybe Mercury conjunct the moon, the other person's moon position would be really great uh, within um, communication and listening. That to me indicates that while this person is, you know, communicating as to what might be wrong, the other person would be far more receptive to not only listening to what's going on, but also far more receptive in trying to fix the problem and the issue at hand, and also a far more receptive in asking their partner in what needs to be done when it comes to that. And of course, with honesty too, I would say definitely um, Mercury's position. Mercury particularly, um, I think Mercury kind of brings out the honesty out of most of the signs. I know in particular signs such as um, either Gemini or Sagittarius are really great when, you know, it's kind of, you know, honesty kind of comes naturally. Sometimes even within the fire signs, uh, bluntness almost comes out quite naturally when it comes to Mercury's placement there. But I find that Mercury um, helps us to work with being more honest um, with our partners. And again, I think Mercury conjunct the moon would be a good position right there. I think it'd be really far more to me. That's far more of a winning combination planetary wise than 
the semi than the sextile or the trine positions. Um, sometimes with sextile or trine positions, like if the moon is sextile or trined, someone's the other person's Mercury, you know, I just feel like where somebody, you know, where the Mercury person might mention something, it may or may not go recognized if the moon is a little farther away from that position. Um, you know, it would probably be respected and recepted, but not really, you know, again, working with it might take a little extra time than with that conjunction. To me, that conjunction is just really very strong and very solid in the chart. And then again, with that last point with consideration and thinking of others, I thought of Jupiter. Uh, I know many sinistry astrologers don't always think of Jupiter really very much because again, um, Jupiter can be a little tricky in the regard that it's the planet of luck. Um, it's the planet of expansion. But I think again, as I'd mentioned with Jupiter, along with expansion, there comes that expansive awareness of hey, it's not just about me, it's also about my partner and how can I be there for my partner as well as be there for myself. So a couple good winning um, combinations for um, consideration, thinking of others. And I mean, this can also be something that can happen in your chart. Again, you know, Jupiter is an area where we're growing as an individual. We're making that pivotal shift as well too. So I would say Jupiter with Venus, um, when it comes to two partners pairings, I think really, again, kind of like with Mercury, the conjunction for me really solidifies it. As I'd seen with Victoria and David Beckham, you know, the Jupiter conjunct Jupiter aspect, I think is also really winning as well too. I think those those two combinations would be really great because, again, not only do you have that, let me think of somebody else, but that Jupiter position can also help to increase the love and the affection that comes about with the Venus, the person who has that Venus position as well, too. Um, with Jupiter and Jupiter, I, you know, I, I, all that I can really see is that uh, there are two people involved who are growing with each other. And I, I feel like that's also a very beautiful aspect and really important when it comes to marriage. Um, because marriage, of course, is also the longer you stay with each other, the more you should be growing as an individual and also the more that you grow as a couple as well, too. So now that we have my viewpoints about the planetary um, arrangements for marriage and what makes for good marriage. Um, let's kind of go towards advancedastrology.com and see what the authors of the site have to say about the planetary arrangements when it comes to synastry charts. One position that they had mentioned that I thought was interesting but also tended to make sense was so again, they kind of mentioned the personal planets, Sun, Moon, Venus, sometimes Mars, um, but those guys are usually in, uh, applicable. They had also mentioned Juno, uh, which is an asteroid that kind of um, represents marriage as well, too, um, and where exactly it's positioned. 
But mainly it's the main personal planets, but they'd mentioned moon, either sextile, trined, or conjunct the other partner's moon is one that is really great for marriage. And that actually makes sense. Um, so if, for example, I should be in a relationship with Leah Schreiber, of course, this is very, very wishful thinking. But if I should be in a relationship with Leah Schreiber, and, who is a really, you know, by the way, great actor, plays Ray Donovan on Showtime series Ray Donovan, um, that would really be a very strong relationship in the regard that my moon is in Libra, his son is in Libra. And I think what makes it strong is that his outer aspect, so his outer personality wanting to be that of being peaceful and being fair and diplomatic and not really rocking the boat or making a scene, that would be really um, well aligned or that'd be really well understood by my moon sign in the regard that inwardly, you know, even though I'm a Leo particularly or my sun signs in Leo, um, I think that my sun signs tempered very much in the regard that inwardly in my heart, I strive for peace and making sure that I'm getting along with everybody and making sure that, you know, the scales aren't tipped. Um, I've noticed that in my life, one thing that drives me nuts more than anything is if there's a lot of drama and I try to be as drama free as possible. So avoiding drama, really being as diplomatic as possible. Again, the, the, the need for diplomacy would be understood by both myself as well as, you know, again, my wishful thinking with Leah Schreiber there. Uh, we'd, we'd understand each other. And this also goes for other moon conjunct moon situations. I think also what comes to mind is Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks. Um, they both have a moon conjunction outside of Leo. And again, um, they would understand each other in the regard that even though Tom Hanks has his moon or has a son in cancer where he's very shy he has that inner nature and that inner desire to, you know, wanting to be noticed and wanting to be recognized. In fact, he started taking acting classes in order to overcome his shyness and in order to kind of move beyond just being the, you know, the sheltered crab that usually comes with the territory of being a cancer as well, too. Uh, Rita Wilson, with her son's position in you know, Scorpio, I think she had a desire to also be a little more heart centered in her leadership approach as opposed to just being controlling, which um, usually is, uh, you know, controlling is a typical downfall and kind of a trait with Scorpio. And then um, I think also, too, that need for recognition and not being so private all the time, I think was also another understanding. And to have both partners come together with that understanding is very strong as well, too. And then with this, um, the moon sextile or trined or conjunct, um, the Beckhams, too. I think I found, you know, when I saw the moon conjunct moon, um, the Beckhams, Victoria and David Beckham, also have that in their chart in the regard that their moon signs are conjunct each other in Aquarius, 
So again, they kind of understand each other, but more on the viewpoint of making sure that decisions are being made with logic in mind. Um, the lo- the cool and infallible logic that's usually found within Aquarius and also making sure that each person understands not only the logic, but also understands each other's independence as well too, and respecting that. And again, that's a, that's also a very strong aspect as well. Astro or sorry, advanced astrology also mentioned sun conjunct the moon, kind of like what I had mentioned earlier, except they actually mentioned sun conjunct the moon. So somebody's sun's position being very much in the same position as someone else's moon's position is very strong as well too. And kind of like um, the sun and moon combinations that I'd mentioned earlier, again, the sun conjunct moon would cause for two people to really understand each other inside and out as well too, which is always, again, that's, that is very, very promising for marriage. Sun aspects to Venus is also what was mentioned as well too. So with the sun aspect to Venus, um, again, one's outward inner nature or outward nature is actually really aligned with someone's, you know, loving nature as well as their affectionate nature as well too. And I think any time where Venus is involved, there's not only instant attraction, but that attraction, you know, with the Venus person would actually attract the sun person and also vice versa too. I think both partners would be very attractive to each other. But again, there's that solidification of it's not just attraction just for the mere sake of attraction, but um, that attraction is actually met with love at the, at the end of the road. And I feel that that is, that would also be very promising as well. With advancedastrology.com, they'd mentioned kind of like with John Townley that, um, again, Venus compatibility to the other partners, Venus placement is very important. You know, it's, it's not as though, you know, if your Venus placements are incompatible to each other, it's not as though it can't work. Um, as we've seen with the Beckhams, it actually can. But again, um, unlike the Beckhams where they seem to make it work, uh, you know, whereas David Beckham, he has his Venus placement in Gemini, Victoria's is in um, Pisces. Again, um, where they make that those two signs work and those two placements work, not every relationship uh, tends to work that way and not every relationship can be that ideal. So normally when we have two incompatible Venus placements in the chart, what usually results is just a sense of disappointment. You know, we have these high goals, high ideals that we'd like out of the relationship. And, you know, there's just a sense of those ideals not being met. Very much like when we just give somebody a chance. We don't like somebody when we're dating them, but we're giving them a chance anyway. Um, already that's indicative of a Venus, you know, or Venus incompatibility in the regard that the facade is not very agreeable, but also to, um, the disappointment that results, you know, this person has completely different viewpoint, you know, uh, a completely different viewpoint from our viewpoints when we just give them a chance as well too. 
Now, I mean, it could work, um, you know, and again, if you're like David and Victoria Beckham, could work, um, especially if two people really love each other and there are other strong planetary connections as well, too. But um, again, the Venus compatibility actually acts as continual attraction uh, within the relationship. And I also think with the continual attraction, continual affection, and also continual love. And an agreement, it's usually Venus either sextiled or trined um, each other, or sometimes just, I think, even a Venus placement where it's conjunct, you know, or it's actually conjunct each other. So being in the same sign, I think that would be really, really, really very attractive and really very much like, you know, get these two people to the altar right away because that, that really just indicates a really strong, strong foundation for love as well. And then, um, you know, at, uh, advancedastrology.com mentions a couple of interesting aspects. So Sun-Mercury aspects is what they had also mentioned. And I think this goes along the line of honesty and communication. Um, whereas, again, someone's anchor and their outer you know, ego um, or their outer personality meets someone's communicative ma- nature. Again, sun, the Sun person could uh, actually really encourage the Mercury person to communicate. Um, however well communicative they are. Um, I mean, if, if that would be beneficial, I think the Sun-Mercury position would be beneficial, especially if, like, say, the Mercury person has their Mercury placement in a sign that's not really very communicative. I would say, like, if they had, like, Mercury, say, in Libra, for instance. Uh, Librans tend to try to be very diplomatic or try to avoid saying anything that's that's in conflict for fear of rocking the boat and disturbing the harmony. But for somebody's son who's also outside of Libra, for instance, they could actually encourage the Mercury person to speak up and not worry too much about outer appearances or worry too much about um, rocking the boat or making the other person mad. In fact, the son person would be like, hey, I want your honesty. Hey, I want your your input. Um, vice versa, I think with um, the Mercury individual, they could also encourage the Sun individual to do the same as well too. Or the person who has the Sun sign, they could you know encourage that person to speak up and also be honest. I think this is a good pairing in the regard that it also both planets encourage honesty, and which is like as we mentioned earlier, that's very key and crucial in marriage. Venus trined Mars was also mentioned as well, too, which that seems to make sense um, as well, too, especially they had said really great if applying or um, they so they mentioned. So this is a kind of a technical aspect that I will get more into next week with part two. But uh, they'd mentioned aspects that are applying where it actually um, grows attraction over time as opposed to separating where the attraction is fleeting. So, again, um, it's great if the two, if Venus and Mars are in applying uh, sort of signs as opposed to separating. Since this relates to growing closeness, especially when it comes to the sexual component and again, with sex, we want to have that sort of situation where Venus and Mars are in har- in harmony to emphasize 
that's not just about sex and not just cold, hard, primal sex, that also there's love and respect that's backing that. And for um, advancedastrology.com, Venus trine Mars is really a good placement right there. Now, I think what they mean by the applying is making sure that the two signs that are with each other are kind of um, on the same ground or on the same page. So um, if somebody has Venus in Aries, a good applying aspect would be someone who has Mars within Leo in the regard that Aries and Leo are both as much as they're dynamic, fiery signs. um, They do like to be very close and they do like to have commitment in a relationship, you know, very unlike Sagittarius, they like to have the commitment in relationship. So again, having those two positions would be very good for each sign. They're also really inclined towards leadership as well too, or there are two signs that are applied towards leadership. Um, So they could see eye to eye when it comes down to who should lead when it comes to sex and who should maybe stay back or, um, you know, who should be boss as well as opposed to who should be more submissive Um, or also to just when it comes down to that fiery dynamic um, type of, you know, chemical reaction that just seems to be, it just seems to grow over time between the two signs. Sagittarius, I think, would be a separating aspect in the regard that with two signs that like commitment, Sagittarius instead likes to be independent. And so that would, that would cause a kind of a, a fleeting attraction um, for the moment. And especially if like, say, Leo were to be in that mix, again, Leo's wanting to commit would freak Sagittarius out and cause the Sagittarian to run. So, um, again, I think, you know, as much as I'm sure this is not the best of explanations and we can get more into this, um, next week, but a little bit of an attempt at applying there, but definitely Venus trine Mars would be very strong, uh, when it comes to sex. And then the last, um, aspect that they'd mentioned was moon and mercury as well too. And that actually is interesting because, um, and I think I'd mentioned this earlier again, um, moon and mercury, whenever somebody should have to have, you know, have to communicate something within the relationship, the moon person would be far more receptive. And I think again, they mention either sextile, trined or in or conjunction, Again, I find that conjunction to be far stronger with those two planets. For some reason, to me, conjunctions always indicate that, again, you're, you're on the same page or you're willing to be on the same page. And it just really, it just really uh, solidifies for me. So stargazers coming into that portion of what have we learned when it comes to our episode Well, I don't know about you, but I've learned a lot more about marriage in general. And I know um, this episode really challenged me to rethink my views of marriage that I've had, that I've actually held since I was 12 years old. And, you know, to kind of 
realize it as though it's a different relationship was quite eye-opening. I thought, again, you know, you date and it's the same relationship that you have with dating and really, again, um, very different in the regard that two people have to kind of go through a lot of goalposts and they have to kind of get through the goal phase and actually go through milestones together in order to kind of come up to that point of marriage. So I thought that that was very eye-opening as well. And then I think it kind of goes to that saying, but with all the um, planetary positions and all the planetary um, combinations, you know, really closeness, you know, having a sense of just understanding each other and, you know, having that exist in a relationship. I, I always just thought that, you know, a mutual understanding with each other or just understanding each other on a soul level or on an inward level, as well as an outward level. I thought that that was just the stuff of fairy tales. You know, since 2013, I've always thought that that was the stuff of fairy tales and not really reality. And it just takes astrology to just kind of nudge us a little bit and remind us that, you know, it can be a reality. Um, when you meet the right person, um, you know, sometimes it takes a little while, but when you meet the right person, it, it can be def a definite reality. And there is such a thing as meeting the right person as well, too. Um, that's very indicative with the, the two composite charts as well. And then I just think, too, again, you know, having respect. You know, basically marriage is based off of not only commitment, but also respect. So really respect is a big, key, crucial component in relationships as opposed to just the love and the chemistry that we usually come to relationships with. You know, we usually come to relationships as though we are either Bella Swan or Edward Cullen looking for our other half. And for those who are twihards, you know, it's Bella Swan looking for her, her Edward Cullen or Edward Cullen looking for his Bella Swan that, you know, again, um, it's not all relationships are based off of, you know, love and chemistry. In fact, actually love and chemistry are very young notion of love that love not only takes commitment, but, it takes respect with each other. I think respect really in the long term, along with the commitment, that's really something that solidifies a relationship big time. Well, Stargazers, I do hope that this episode was informative and eye-opening as it was for me for this week. Um, again, tune in next week for part two. I can't wait to actually be able to do that for you guys. Um, I mean, there's a lot more that's really um, more to dive into when it comes to part two. So again, um, I'd love to love to be able to present that to you. But above all, don't be afraid to look up at the stars wherever you happen to be. If you're in the Denver, Colorado area, obviously it's going to be really hard to see the planets that are out, which are Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Um, I think Jupiter can be seen in the eastern half of the sky, whereas Saturn, Venus, and Mars are in the southeastern half of the sky. 
So um, that's definitely, I, I would say that that's, that's a really nice sight to see as well, too. And apparently both Jupiter and Venus um, are very bright at this time of the year. But I would say pair that with the, the waxing moon in there as well, too. I'm sure that that's very gorgeous. And like I said, um, when it comes to Denver, Colorado, we have a lot of cloud cover since we've had snow and cold conditions. So um, it'd be very hard to see uh, here. But for those of you who have clear skies, definitely go out, look up at the stars. And, uh, you know, aside, you know, celestial bodies aside, you know, looking up at the stars is a great way to connect with our heritage that it, you know, that comes with astrology and also sometimes just helps us to, you know, ground us when it comes to nature as a whole. But above all, don't be afraid to look up at the stars and stargazers above all, I really just hope that between now and next week that I find that we meet again and where you are well and above all, be well. And until next week, stargazers, I will, I will see you then. If you do have any questions or comments uh, for Sandra Misek, you can reach her at either misek.sandra at gmail.com or at her Instagram page at at sandra.misek. Again, that is M-I-S-E-K. You can also check her out on her Patreon page. Um, Seventh House Astrology also has that Patreon page, and that is patreon.com forward slash Seventh House Astrology.